do my kids listen all the time? No. <laughs> it's annoying. It's extremely annoying. It is extremely inconvenient. And at the same time, it's developmentally appropriate. And it's my job to teach rather than force them to listen. This is Bitch You Doing a Good Job, the podcast where super moms go to burn their capes because doing it all is doing way too much. Okay, so kids not listening. It's time to leave the park. It's time to go to bed. It's time to stop playing. Well, first, I think it's important to recognize that this is developmentally appropriate for a child to struggle with following directions and with shifting and switching tasks and transitioning. And so I think that first, it's important for us to recognize this and kind of meet them with support rather than unrealistic expectations. So are we still leaving the park? Yes. Are we still going to get the bedtime routine going? Yes. But I'm going to address this as the leader and support you and create a positive environment rather than expecting you to do it just because I said so, right? That level of respect and cooperation takes time to build unless we're using punishments and spanking and yelling, et cetera. I mean, because those things, those will make it happen real quick. But over here on this side of the parenting realm, that's not what we choose to do. So what are we going to do instead? I'm going to give you three tips to help your child and to support them in learning to follow directions and be cooperative. Number one is something that is so important, and yet we often don't make intentional time to do this, and that is connection. Listen, our kids' nervous systems may be going haywire when we are asking them to do something, whether they are excited and supremely focused on something or they are beginning to get upset and frazzled because they have to stop doing something. So it is our responsibility to offer them co-regulation. And often that is through connection. And that could be sitting with them for a little bit and just being present with them hugging them if they're into physical touch, having a conversation with them, stepping into their world, playing with them, right? When we lead with connection, we give their nervous systems an opportunity to feel safe. And when our children are safe, they are more collaborative and cooperative. And we're also a lot more likely to be the same way. So it's important to find ways that they desire connection. My oldest is very into hugs and snuggles and physical touch. My youngest, she just wants to play. She speaks the love language of play and ball throwing and block building and experiments. That's her thing. And so if I want to connect with them, I have to be intentional about connecting with them in a way that's actually connecting, a way that's actually working. And so I'll do this first. I prime the situation. I set them and their nervous system up for success. So the bedtime example, right? If we just got home, we did schoolwork, we did dinner, we didn't really do much connecting. We were, you know, just listening to music on the way home, but very zoned out from each other. The bedtime's gonna look a certain way. When I say, okay, it's time for us to get in the bath, it's time for us to get ready to go to bed. Typically, it looks way different and a little more hectic, a little more resistant than the nights that I'm like, you know what? I'm not gonna pick them up from school later. Um, you know, we're not gonna do our aftercare today. We're going to intentionally take some time to spend time together. I'm going to have special time with my oldest and I'm going to set my youngest up with the tablet or with a task. And I'm going to give her something to do so that I can devote time to the oldest. And then while the oldest is doing her chore or working on something else, I'm going to devote special time 
to the youngest and we're going to play blocks or we are going to read a silly story or we're going to have a dance party, whatever that is, I'm going to intentionally connect with them. And this is so powerful and it's so important in the nights that I do that, I promise you there's less sibling rivalry. The squabbles are diminished. The cooperation is great. And most importantly, I think as the leader, I am in a better state to lead them because I'm more connected. So I'm paying attention to who they are, what they're needing in the moment and how I'm showing up. So I think that play and connection really benefits us when we are trying to get collaboration and cooperation. That's number one. Now, I know what you're thinking. Okay, yeah, so we played, we connected. Then how do we transition into actually going to bed or into leaving the park? Like, we're just supposed to play all day and then they're going to stop wanting to play and do what we ask them to do? No, absolutely not. We are going to have to transition. And so here are some helpful tips to make transitioning from one task to another much easier. Listen, hard stops are difficult, period. They're difficult for me. If I'm doing something and I'm enjoying doing it, it's not the easiest thing to stop and switch gears. And so children are the same way and we have to honor and respect where they are developmentally and give them tools to help encourage those transitions. So the first tool is timers. I say it time and time again, timers are my best friend. Why? Because Children don't fully have the best concept of time. That's why they say that things that they don't want to do take forever and things that they do want to do, they didn't get enough time to do. They don't really have a full concept. So when I say, hey, we're going to play for 10 minutes, to them, we've only played for two minutes and 10 minutes has passed and it's time to stop. So I'll use a timer, a visual timer where they can actually see the time running out. YouTube has some great ones. You just type in 10 minute timer, 20 minute timer, etc. You can also buy a timer where they can see the time running out. That's very helpful. Now, as I see the time slowly running out, I'll set like a reminder, like, hey, we've got a minute left to prime them for whatever we're doing next. Now, the timer is going to stop. Does that mean they're like, yay, let's stop playing? No, but their nervous system has been like slowly expecting it. So it's not going from zero to a hundred. Yeah, they're probably going to be frustrated, going to be upset. There may be tears. There may be resistance. This is where the next part of transitions comes in. Redirect during the transition. So we're going to redirect them away from a tantrum. We're going to redirect them away from continuing to play or getting on another swing. We're going to direct them to a different path. And this is why redirection is so powerful because our children's brains are more cooperative when we are focusing on what to do rather than what not to do. So instead of saying, don't get on the swing, don't you go up to the slide or, you know, don't pull out another block, I'm going to give them a task. And what's really helpful is making sure that that task is actually something enjoyable, something that would be desirable. I wish kids came out and they just did stuff just because we said so, but that's not the kind of relationship that I want with my children. I want them to develop motivation and often that is through leadership and through caring about their needs and their desires. And children need play just as much as they desire it. It's good for their brains. So I will use a playful redirection. For example, we're leaving the park. You're going to the swings in that direction. We need to go to the car in this direction. 
how about we race to the car? Now I've given you a task. You still get to enjoy yourself. You're getting to continue to play in a sense, but we are transitioning on to the next thing. Maybe we've been sitting and playing with the blocks and the timer has run out. And I say, you know what? We're going to do a dance party into the other room because it's time for family time. Turn on some music. We do a little dance party into the living room. And now we've moved to the next task, right? Transitions are helpful. And I know somebody's going to be like, oh, anybody got time for that to be doing dance parties or to be, you know, thinking of a task for them to do. And at the same time, I want you to ask yourself, how much time do you spend repeating yourself? How much time do you spend lecturing them about how they don't listen? Parenting takes time and we get to choose what we're spending that time doing. I'll say for me, when I spend that time using redirection and transitions and connecting, when I go to bed at the end of the day, I don't feel wiped out. I don't feel drained. I don't feel like I have to overcorrect the next day for the mistakes that I made. So I'm just throwing that out there. Now, the last piece is kind of going back to the first one, but focusing on consistent connection, okay? And so we will use these little tools when we're trying to get something specific done, like we're gonna, you know, connect before the bedtime routine. But ultimately, we want to be connecting consistently so that their brains can thrive and they can develop executive functioning and staying on task and following directions and cooperating, all of those things. So we can't just use connection as a tool. It has to be a part of the culture of our homes. Now, there's a billion ways to connect with your kids and every kid is different, but I want to share two that maybe you are not familiar with. And I love these because they're easy, okay? They don't require a ton of effort. The first one is sports casting. And that's just noticing what you see. You know, a sportscaster just says what's going on in the game. And I do this to get present. So there's this like um, mindfulness practice, right? Where you say what you see, you say what you hear, you say what you smell, and it kind of just drops you into the moment. I do a version of this, but with my kids, just to acknowledge them and to be present with them. So I might come over to my five-year-old while she's coloring and I'll just say something. I'll just notice her. You're working so hard on that picture. Ah, I see you used red on your firebird. Oh, wow. This bird looks bigger than this one. Just noticing. And a bonus tip is to go into their world and ask questions. Like just dig deeper and get them to talk about what it is that they're doing so that they can sportscast. It's just a really sweet way to be in the moment with our kids because they're not going to be kids forever. And those simple mundane things that they do like coloring or playing with dolls, they can fly by really quickly and we can miss like the preciousness of those moments. And so I like to sportscast and it gives me this like weird, like euphoric feeling when I'm really just paying attention to them. And it's very empowering and it makes them feel secure and safe. And both of those things are really helpful for getting our children to be cooperative and collaborative. Now, the last way to have consistent connection is to initiate play. Now, I know we don't be wanting to do that because we had long days and, you know, sometimes kids can be annoying. They can be annoying just because we are different types of humans. Kids are not adults and adults aren't kids. And so our interests can be a little different. However, there's something so magical about coming up to a kid and saying, I really want to play with you. Or is it okay if I play with you? 
it allows our kids to be in the driver's seat. It allows them to take control of the moment and you get to enter into their world. And when we do things like that, that are empowering, it decreases power struggles. And then number two, it's an opportunity for our kids to see us in like a lighthearted way, to see us be childlike and joyful and in the moment. And that's so good for our relationships. And I don't know why we separate relationship from cooperation, but I I want you to think about this. Name one relationship that sucks that you actually feel good about working together in. If you hate your boss, you do not enjoy working with them. You may do it out of obligation. You may do it to get a paycheck, but you're not doing it because of internal motivation. You're not doing it because of actual respect for that person. And that's what I want in my relationship with my kids. So the relationship cannot be lost just so that I can get cooperation. Two things can be true. We can encourage and teach and motivate our children to have positive behaviors while keeping their self-esteem intact and while keeping the relationship intact. If you like this episode, share it with a friend, share it on your social media, and come on over to Instagram, slide in my DMs, and tell me how you liked it. Until next time, bitch, you doing a good job.